You ever see that, like the crazy mathematician or I guess conspiracy theorist where he has the big wall up in his room and he's got the pins pinning pictures and stuff to the wall. Welcome to iHope. We're here to bring encouragement and comfort from the Bible so that you can have a more hope-filled life. We are so glad you joined us here today and we invite you to embark on this journey of discovery of the power of God's word and how it can shape our lives each day. So listen in and join us as we explore how the Bible can provide hope and direction in our lives. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to I Hope. It's Charlie, and today we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. I'm going to tell you a story through the book of Ephesians. There's a string that ties. Uh, you ever see that, like the crazy mathematician or, I guess, conspiracy theorist, where he has the big wall up in his room and he's got the pins pinning pictures and stuff to the wall and he has ropes, like little strings tied to every little pin. Well, the Bible kind of ties pins together using the word hope through the book of Ephesians. And it's cool because at the very end of that string, it shows how you and I and every other Christian who's alive can live peaceably with one another. Now, this seems like a daunting task and it sounds like something that never really gets done. And that's because we as fickle humans forget the conclusion of this matter. We forget what leads to this unity. And we look at unity as a choice, unity as an opportunity, unity as maybe a preference, but not as a mandate. And I'm going to show you a story that says the exact opposite of that. Let's start, though, in a place that has nothing to do with you and me then instead has everything to do with Jesus, and it happens long, long, long before time. Now, Paul here is talking in Ephesians chapter 1 to the church at Ephesus, and he he's making remembrance of the Ephesians always in his prayers, and he makes remembrance of the Ephesians specifically for this reason. Verse 17 says, "...that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him." Now, what kind of knowledge do we need? Here's what he says in verse 18. "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened." Here's why. "...that ye may know what is the hope of His calling." "...that ye may know what is the hope of His calling." Now, who is his? Well, we just talked about the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So God would give wisdom that we can know the hope of Jesus's calling. Now, this isn't his calling us. It's That's not the salvation style calling that we would often talk about. That's not what this passage refers to. This refers to Jesus's specific calling, his mission. And this happened long, long, long before the annals of history had happened in America. Now, a commentator named John Phillips would write about it this way. He said, When God's beloved stooped down from heaven's heights to be born in that Bethlehem barn for us, it was an event so momentous that heaven's hosts crowded down the skyways and stairways to peer into wonder in that musty manger, and yet God had not finished with us yet. Our hope in him stretches out beyond three score and ten years into the endless ages of eternity. What awaits us on the other side is more than tongue can tell. Paul wanted us to be occupied with the thoughts about our hope in Christ. They help us put the mundane things of time and sense into perspective. Here is that fulcrum outside the earth for which Archimedes longed. Here is that lever, long enough to exert the pressure needed so that one lone man could lift the whole wide world. The idea of Christ's hope, the hope of, of his calling, is that because Jesus was called 
to save us. We have hope by him. And because of that, if we go into chapter 2 and you look at verse 11 and 12, he says in verse 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, meaning that you were not part of Israeli nationality, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. We have hope through Christ, but you did not have that hope because you didn't even know about Christ. And verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And in this moment, we have the transition from Jesus' hope being out there to Jesus' hope being part of us. And you and I now, as, as Gentiles, as people who've never been part of the Israeli nationality, we have a hope through Jesus because he didn't just die for the Jews, he died for all of us. But then he brings it to a more practical sense. Hey guys, it's Charlie, and you already know that we don't run any ads, and the only way that we grow this podcast is through word of mouth. So if you wouldn't mind, just ask yourself if someone you know would learn from or enjoy our podcast. And now that you have that someone in your mind, take 30 seconds to hit the three dots at the top of your screen to hit share episode. Text it to him and get back to listening. Because once you get to chapter four, he says this, I therefore, verse one, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, here's a description of what that looks like. He says in verse 4, there is one body, that means one church body, and one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. And if you look at the verse just before that, he encourages them to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That means that the calling of Jesus gives us hope. The salvation of Jesus gives us tangible hope. And the spirit that comes through our salvation, the spirit that we have, should keep unity in the bond of peace because of the hope. When you and I have contention, at the end of the day, we may disagree about something on earth, but heavenly we are both brothers in Christ. You and another person may be at odds about something, but if you're both saved, you both have the same mediator, the same peacemaker between you, the same ultimate end. And because of that, you have no choice but to live in peace. Now, the issue comes when we forget this. We forget that we are saved we forget that we live for something beyond just this lifetime, and we forget the story happened far before we were ever even born. We become fools, and we become negligent of what Christ has done for us. And the question that you can ask yourself, practically speaking today, to bring it all to a close, is did Jesus die for me so that I can live like this? And if living like this means that you're in unity, then the answer is yes. But if living like this means that you're at odds with other Christians, that you're always bickering, that you always have something to complain about, that your heart, maybe if you don't complain outside, that your heart is boastful or your heart is arrogant or your heart is proud, then no, Jesus did not die for you to do that. And remember, all of our hope comes from the hope of his calling. So ask yourself, 
Did Jesus die for me to live like this? And if like this refers to living through the Spirit in the bond of peace, then you are in a good place and you need to remain there. That's the story of Ephesians and the way that hope ties four chapters together and shows us exactly how we can live in unity one with another. Hope that this was encouraging and I can't wait to see you next time. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you've been encouraged by I Hope, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review? Until next week, God bless.